Welcome to the Ultradent Products Podcast. Today's guest is Neil Jessup, who works in Ultradent's R&D lab. He will be discussing the variables which affect the quality of dentin bonding. Neil, can you give us some pointers for the listeners out in the field, how they can improve their bonding strengths and things that they should maybe avoid? Uh, Yes. Simply put, there are uh, several places that doctors can go wrong or go right with their adhesives. Number one would be, obviously, in order of sequence, the etching process. Our etching process is something quite simple, but really still can cause some problems if we don't perform it properly. Number one would be etching too long. If we etch too long, it's easy to visualize etch patterns that end up extending too deep, and so deep, in fact, that our resins can't quite reach into those demineralized zones. In order for any adhesive to work properly, it has to reach in and fill all of the areas that we've etched. So those deepest demineralized zones have to be filled with adhesive. If they don't, we end up having a weak link or a defect in that adhesive lock to the dentin or enamel. We really have to pay attention to how long we etch, and typically most adhesives aren't going to be affected too much by a little bit over etching. If we're talking about 15 seconds being the standard with a phosphoric we would really want to make sure we're trying to stay in that range. 15 or 20 seconds is fine. We can even etch a little shorter than that. But if we're talking about enamel, which is a lot more mineral substrate, especially uncut enamel, we've got to pay attention to those etch times and push them out a little longer, paying attention again to not etching any longer than 15 to 20 seconds with our etch. At this time, we would have to also pay attention with the self-etch systems that they get proper etch time. A self-etch system obviously needs to be on the enamel a little bit longer or can function a little better on enamel if it has been on a little longer and allow a more complete etching pattern. On dentin, again, our, our self-etch systems seem to be able to function really quite nicely on that, on that level. Our next step in sequence is if we have etched with a total etch system, we've got to now pay attention to what the dentin moisture condition is. Dentin moisture was a raging debate in the early 90s, and I know that has substantially calmed down. But anytime we are using an acetone adhesive, an acetone-carrying adhesive, we need to and will do better if we have a little more moisture on the surface. This means just a glistening, speckly, moistured surface. With any of our self-etch or ethanol-carrying systems, we typically can deal with a little less moisture, and it does just as well at that point. We would like to typically think of just leaving the tooth damp. That means taking the air syringe, a couple of brief air blasts, and and knocking off the visible surface moisture without any substantial uh, sustained air on that. If we go to any chalky-looking or white, uh, over-dried dentin, our bond values start to go down substantially. We need that moisture there to help carry those solvents, those adhesives down into that etched dentin. If that moisture is gone, we just don't get the penetration that we're looking for. Uh, Application time is our third item in order of sequence, and application time really is quite a big deal. I I know that we're always in a hurry in our lives and that it's, it's easy to count a little faster than we're supposed to. So paying attention to that clock and knowing that we really did get the product on for 5 or 10 or 15 seconds as the manufacturer recommends is critical. We need to know that those adhesives have had time to penetrate into those deepest etched zones that we've we've created. If we don't, once again, we will not see the bond strengths that we should. I can't give you exact bond value decreases from any one of these things 
not going right, but we do know that there are times that they can be pretty dramatic, that we can see bonds, or when we're in the lab testing, that bonds can fall off or bonds can, can be just compromised. Uh, bonds can be compromised if we if we don't do it right. So if we're starting to stack up variables not going or not performed properly, each can have a detrimental effect and create a little lower bond than we'd like. So application time means that for the self-etched systems, that we, that we leave it on long enough to do the proper etching on that dentin and enamel surface. On total etch systems, we want to make sure that if somebody's asking to scrub that adhesive in, that we do that scrubbing in so that those adhesives penetrate and that we push those resins down into that etched dentin. Usually, scrubbing on, on enamel will decrease bond strengths by a few percent, and rubbing on dentin will increase bond strengths by a few percent. So we're trying to get the best of both worlds and paying attention to treating etched enamel delicately and treating etched dentin a little more aggressively. If that's possible to do in the same prep, it needs to be done. The next item in order of sequence is thinning and drying, and we have to treat those in the same sentence because what, what happens is we can't thin it and dry it separately. They're, it's all happening simultaneously under the air syringe, yet they are two distinctly different things. The thinning has to be thought of as in the first step to get that adhesive thin enough that it will let go of its solvents. But again, you, if you haven't thinned it properly, it will not let go of those solvents and, you, and you're going to end up with a compromised bond strength or basically an under-polymerized product. It will not polymerize properly with those solvents in there. So we have to first thin the product and usually that's done with a gentle airstream about a half inch away. Um, we can talk half inch, half air and that actually typically works quite well. I know you'll end up having to chase the line angles around with your air syringe a little bit to get things to thin properly and sometimes have to pull out that micro brush to pull the pools out of the line angles so that the product can dry properly. So typically though we would be talking about thinning it to the right level which is generally a good glossy clean surface non-pooled. We really can't have pooled product it, that'll represent a decrease in bond that's quite substantial. And the next is putting the, leaving the air in long enough and that gentle stream to where you're no longer thinning but just drying, finishing, pulling out those solvents. That'll allow those monomers to polymerize properly and get the highest strength possible. The next step is light curing. We know that there's a lot of new LED lights on the market and many of these are really adding up to substantially higher energy levels than what we had with quartz halogen lights. Uh, I know that we can have such high intensity that we actually run risk of overheating the soft tissue. Because that soft tissue is red, it will absorb more energy than our more reflective white surfaces of the teeth. And so when we've got these new high-energy LED lights, and, and again, we'll go back to plasma arcs and quartz halogens as well, that if we have these high-energy lights, we need to pay attention to not overlapping them on soft tissue, yet at the same time being conscientious of putting that light energy as close to the surface, the, the restored surface, as possible. In this way, we know we're going to get the energy into this into the restoration and cure where to cure it properly. The lights out there, we do have some lights that actually uh, in the new generation of LEDs that have broad band wavelength, meaning they actually emit more than one color. This is actually uh, a nice feature and a critical feature with some adhesives and some composites. It's literally impossible to tell any person what composites do and don't have 
two initiators in them, meaning Camperquinone and then some other proprietary initiator, simply because the manufacturers have several formulations going for incisal enamel shades uh, and dentin body shades, and oftentimes these carry different amounts or different initiators altogether. And so it's just a, a nice failsafe to know that there are some LEDs out there that actually do transmit or emit uh, several wavelengths similar to what the quartz halogen would have been. We need to know that our LEDs are curing the materials properly and again holding them close and knowing that you've got the broadband coverage is a, a nice feature. We we do know that it's possible to hand off the light to the assistant and sometimes we're either talking to them and they turn their head away and that light ends up being a, an inch or two away from the prep. At that point we've really lost all of our energy and we aren't polymerizing properly so we need to hold the lights close. The next issue in order of sequence is composite placement. We've got our adhesive laid down properly. It might have been laid down perfect, but if we don't lay down the composite properly, we're really going to have a compromised bond. In this way, it's easiest to visualize by imagining your composite is this doughy product, and as you use your packing instrument to start adapting this product, you will notice that none of that energy from the packing instrument is actually transmitting or forcing that composite down against that tooth surface, that adhesive surface. It's so important that we actually place that initial first layer of composite thin, more so than what the manufacturers recommend. Typically, manufacturers are recommending one to two millimeter first increments of, of composite. It's really quite critical that we actually place them a lot thinner than that on initial first increment, and that is to get proper adaptation of these paste composites onto that adhesive layer. That adhesive layer, really oftentimes with people who are testing in the laboratory, can be placed properly, and then the first go-around with bonding, if they haven't had experience in packing the composite properly, the bonds are decreased by nearly half always. We need to realize that that bond in the mouth is going to be undergoing the same issues and we need to get that adaptation of the composite by placing the first layer about two-tenths of a millimeter to where that, that composite packing instrument is actually forcing the composite onto that adhesive layer. We can actually overcome these composite placement issues by simply using a flowable. Flowables will self-wet over that adhesive layer and, and get rid of any of the little micro air voids that might be coming into play with placing a paste composite, but the flowables obviously can't be used and should not be used for any of our final surfaces out on wearing surfaces of the, of the restoration. But they are great for deeper boxes and generally still maintaining a thin initial first couple of layers of, of that flowable composite are a great choice. The next order that we really need to talk about is contamination because this could happen at any point in the process. We need to understand what to do in that event. When we have contamination, whether it be blood or saliva or hemostatic solutions or temporary cements, we need to understand that about the only thing that really can dependably and reliably get rid of these contaminants is etch, our phosphoric total etch system. That's the only way to know that you have cleanly stripped those surfaces. That's the only way to know that you have stripped those surfaces clean and got them ready for bonding again. So under any circumstance, if you have got any contamination at any step in your bonding process, the best way is to pull out your phosphoric acid etch and etch for about five seconds, rinse and dry and go back on applying your adhesive as you would have normally. So that's your fail safe. If you have self-etch systems, those self-etch primers or that self-etch component isn't suitable to actually reliably strip away those contaminants. We need a phosphoric acid etch always present in our practices to make sure that we get the most reliable bond possible. A self-etch system is great uh, for the bonding to dentin, still somewhat compromised on, on enamel, and we can, again, use our phosphoric acid etch to make sure we get the best etch possible on enamel. 
But as far as contaminations go, I would strongly recommend the use of uh, or maintaining a phosphoric acid etch system present at all times. The last component we could talk about would be expired product. It's really simple to, to once again, to imagine that at any point we make a, a new chemistry, it's got a lot of reactive components and molecules bouncing around in there. And these molecules want to grab hands and link up. And in fact, they always do link up. And we need to make sure that we aren't using the products past the expiration date simply because these molecules have reacted and will continue to react. And at the point that we call out an expiration date didn't mean that the product suddenly went bad, as you all know. It means that we've just chosen an area or a marker that's reached a point we are no longer satisfied as a manufacturer to to call it good or quality. In our particular case, we typically keep that that marker at about 90% of, of new. We would like to know that we aren't decreasing or compromising our product values by any less than about that 10%, and typically it's less than that. But So at, at two years out, we might know that our, our adhesive would be getting bond values that could be up to 10% less than they would have been when they were fresh. So that's the main area I see affecting bond values. We need to know that each of these things can affect bond values and what to do uh, to make sure they work in our favor to their best ability. Is there any other questions? I don't think so, Neil. Thank you so much for sharing those pointers with our listeners. I'm sure there are a lot of things that you can see in the lab situation that clinically might be a little bit hard to measure. So I think a lot of people will appreciate that. Well, thank you for your time, and we'll uh, look forward to hearing from you if you need any help. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. To view a full archive of our episodes so far, please visit podcast.ultradent.com. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or if you would like to be a guest on an upcoming podcast, please call 800-268-9010 or send an email to ultradentnews at ultradent.com. (music) 